GM, GM, good to be back. Sorry to anybody that uh, actually spent some time and hopped on those audio tests earlier. Dude, I, I swear, I thought I figured something out different for uh, connecting the Roadcaster Pro 2 to spaces, and it did not work at all, so that's unfortunate, but you know, I have everything set up on the streaming side of things, which is uh, pretty good. So getting that kicked off, going to start doing that regularly again, coming up here this next week. So, um, yeah, you know, good to be back. Good to get back into the groove of things. Was on the road a lot um, past seven days. So, um, yeah, you know, a little bit, a <laughs> little bit out of tune with some of the stuff going on, but still have a good idea of a lot of the other stuff. If you guys are in the audience, um, feel free to go ahead, hit that request button. It's always more fun when more of you guys come up here. Um, Fiji, good to have you back up, man. How's it going? How's it been? Good, man. Good Friday. How's the ankle? <laughs> Dude, the ankle's doing better. You know the dangerous thing about it? So I have been moving on the ankle since I injured it, right? And, you know, like, that's good. That's healthy. I think that you heal a lot faster if you do that. Um, I always have personally, rather than, you know, resting it too much, letting it get stiff. But the dangerous part is because I'm moving so well on it, I already feel like I can go out there. I'm so tempted to go out there and I'll just start playing <laughs> and stuff again. So, yeah, that's the uh, the downside of it. Yeah, man, that's dangerous. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But it's all good. I appreciate you asking. Uh, what uh, what all's going on with you, man? Oh, not much, man. Staying busy, uh, you know, keeping my head up. It's uh, kind of boring in the cryptoverse at the moment. Um, yeah, man, just trying to stack cash, stack them wonkies, and uh, yeah, keep at it. Love to hear it, man. So I'm curious, you know, I, I, I kind of feel you on the boring part a little bit where, <laughs> you know, there we had, we had a few weeks of interesting fun with the meme coin stuff, you know, kind of gave people a little distraction for a minute, but inevitably, and it's one of the things that I talked about with Rooster the past few weeks, you know, that fade or that hype kind of fades out and, on the other side of it, it doesn't lead to this immediate boom, say in NFTs or any other sector. So I'm curious on your side of things, what are you doing to kill the time, man? Like here in the meantime, while we are in this stretch, um, what's your, what's your go-to to, you know, kind of just stay in a routine? Um, I think just keep an eye on some certain charts and metrics uh, that I like to check in on on like the daily or weekly basis, just to kind of see where we're at in the whole spectrum of things. Um, I kind of try to position myself as well for like, you know, if we do have a lower leg down, like kind of theoretically position myself on what I would want to buy in that moment. Um, And I think that's pretty much it. Um, It's tough, but you know, I try to look like a year ahead, you know, six months to a year ahead, kind of to see where I want to be in that time frame, and kind of just stick with that, really. I respect that, man. So, 
you know, where, where do you want to be six months, a year from now? What do you see? What's the, what's the vision? Um, I think, I think more along the lines of a year, I think, I think I want my bags to be, to be pretty much packed. Um, I think within six months to a year, I think we're going to see a lot lower prices. Um, so I want my bags to be packed and, I kind of just want to ride that train, I think, till the end of 2024 to see where we're at um, and then into 2025. Yeah, it's, it's super rough, but I think that's kind of where I want to be, just mainly bags packed and kind of just riding the train. No, man, I, I agree. I think that's the smartest thing, right, is throughout this stretch, you know, the, the crazy thing about crypto in general is, that it's one of the most exciting spaces that you can possibly be plugged into, right? Whenever it, it's hot, whenever it's moving, there's so much happening, you can barely keep up with it. And, you know, even throughout the midst of this, you know, the bear market that we've been in, there's still been a lot of action, right? You know, especially in certain niches and certain corners, but it hasn't necessarily been one of those things where, you know, in the middle of the bear market, the same type of action for the general narrative just isn't there on the same level. So there are stretches where it can feel really monotonous, really, you know, in a sense, boring whenever you're on here. If you don't have that longer term vision of what you're planning on doing in this space and kind of understanding what it looks like on the other side, because when it happens, it happens really fast. So were you playing at all with the meme coin type of stuff whenever it was happening the, uh, you know, the past month? Uh, no, not really. I was definitely tempted. Um, but luckily I didn't because I kind of knew that, you know, they were just meme coins and, you know, that it was going to be a fast train. So, and I'm not good at that stuff at all. I've always been burned. So I've learned my lesson and I just stayed away. I respect that, man. You know, uh, what's going on, Mossy? Kalyo. How do I pronounce your name? Kalyo? <laughs> I go with Kaleo, but Kalyo works, okay. man. Yeah. All right. So I have a question for you. Uh, like, do you think this whole meme coin season and Pepe season, whatever you want to call it, was just a distraction from people buying cheap Dogecoin? Because there's, no, <laughs> there's no way dude ends in this way, you know? So I need to tweet this out. You know, I've been on the road a lot the past week. Haven't really been able to keep up with, uh, you know, really everything going on on Twitter as much as I'd like. And I, I wouldn't say a distraction, but I think one of the things that Fiji was talking about that's important to remember is that in general, you know, these meme coins... Yeah, like, dude, Andrew Tate had the video earlier, and as much as some people may get irritated by it, he did speak a lot of truth while he was shitting on the crypto world, where a lot of these meme coins, the real purpose isn't necessarily to build this great community with these meme coins that are being spit out. Like, it's a PvP mentality where... um at the end of the day, a lot of the meme coins just turn into this self-cannibalization of, you know, like, look through. I was looking through Dex tools earlier this morning, and 
every single one of those big name memes have the exact same chart where, you know, massive pump and then bleed out, bleed out, bleed out. So basically what you see with a lot of other altcoins that are bigger, you know, quote unquote, real utility purposes, but just on an accelerated scale. And that that's one of those things where if you know how to play it, provides you with the opportunity to possibly be able to exploit that volatility and it can be fun in the meantime. And I think I tweeted out something about this along these lines a few weeks ago or last week or two weeks ago, where it's like, I respect anybody that was out there playing in the memes. I'm not going to hate anybody for going and doing it because I think that is part of the fun of crypto is chasing some of this, you know, the volatility that it provides in different sectors while it's there. But if anybody is out there saying that they are buying a meme coin and they're going to be a long-term holder and supporter of whatever meme coin it is, that's just pure bullshit. It, it truly is because either one, you know, you just, that person is one of a few things, right? Either one, they're a complete liar because they know full well that they're just planning on dumping that whenever it reaches a certain level. They're getting out of it and they know full well what the cycle of a meme coin is going to be and they are going to dump it. Two, they're completely ignorant. They have no idea what the hell they're talking about. They haven't been in this space for long enough to see that these meme coins just fall apart. Like it's what they do. And so you're you're one or the other in that sense. There is no in-between that I can really conceptualize with a lot of them. So in a sense, are they a distraction from some of the more established things that you're talking about, like either a Doge or, you know, Bitcoin, especially. Yeah. You know, like they definitely can be, if somebody somehow does buy into that vision of these things actually being a replacement for something like that, you know, I think with these type of cycles, you might get one that sticks out of all of these, right? Like say that Pepe does end up surviving and sticking around kind of like what SHIB did back in the day. You get one because even like SHIB, you know, think, think along the lines of what all popped up around the same time. You had Cummies, you had um, Safe Moon, a bunch of these other big name memes that were big time, right? Brought a lot of these normies. It's all TikTok could talk about during the period that they were all moving. And realistically, only one has survived out of that group. And I look at it from this cycle and, you know, Pepe looks like it's going to be that one that does survive. And even its survival doesn't mean that it's going to not have an insane bleed from what the highs are. So, you know, again, I, kind of skating around the question but everything can be a distraction i think that's the important thing in this space is just having a longer term vision and understanding what type of asset you're investing in as you invest in it and what the potential that it actually has for a longer term type of play versus you know shorter term type of play so did that answer your question, Masigos? I know I uh, kind of went on a rant there for a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you made sense, you know. It was a logical answer. 
So Fiji, I'm curious, you know, do you have any of your real life in real life friends that are plugged into this space or is it primarily just the DGENs that you met in crypto Twitter? Oh dude, not at all. They all hate crypto. Um, they, this is going to sound bad, but they're smart enough to understand that ETH, you know, ETH is probably the future for, you know, DeFi and stuff. But um, I think some of, them, some of them look at the charts, you know, once in a while. Um, but yeah, no, they all they all hate NFTs pretty much in general. Uh, they were definitely involved in the hype. And they, you know, they were trying to flip and, and make a bag. And most of them didn't do too well. And I remember the, um, uh, the stonks had a run up. So I think the point three range, I forget when that was, but, um, you know, I told them I sold a couple wonkies and, and they knew I was involved in the community before that. <laughs> and I mentioned it to them while they were sitting on the couch, like three or four of them. I was like, Hey, I just sold a couple, whatever. And they just kind of looked at me and then just looked back at the TV. Like I didn't say a single word. <laughs> um, so I was like, wow, this is brutal. I was like, okay. <laughs> um, never talking about that again. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, they, I think. And I think a couple of them still have a ETH, an ETH bag, and and if it go continues to go down, they're gonna hate it even more. So uh, it's tough, and you know I try to just joke around with it just to kind of keep them involved. But uh, yeah, I don't think they want anything to do with it at the moment. <laughs> um, so even you know, I'm curious to get like, when did you get plugged into this space? Was it was it this last cycle, like 2021 ish, 2022? Yeah. Um, so I was involved in not really involved, but in 2018, when that, when the, you know, when we went up that during that time, um, I was either starting college or still in high school. I can't exactly remember, but I didn't have that much money, so I couldn't really involve myself too well. Um, so I kind of put it off, but I knew it was the future. And then the 20, yeah, the 2021 run came around. I was still in college, still didn't have any money really. Um, so, but I was definitely more involved. Um, and then now that we're coming down, I understand where we're at kind of in the cycle in the grand scheme of things. And I have a full-time job now, so I'm definitely more involved. And really when you first drop the, the wonky stonks in October of 21 is when I really, really started to get plugged in. And even a couple months before that, but that's really when I started to kind of get locked in. Love to hear it, man. Yeah, so you you got locked in around that time period, and you're right in the age range of, you know, early career, just graduating college, still probably have a few friends that are that age, that they're still in school, haven't made the transition fully yet. Um, and I think that's a really interesting age to be involved in this space, because you kind of are at the crossroads right now of people are getting money for the first time. There are people on the brink of making money for the first time. So I'm sure there's a little bit of it, it, from what I remember, you know, whenever I first graduated, you basically had two polar opposites at that point. You had the friends that were willing to basically, you know, kind of all in DJ I'm young. It's time to take a risk. And you have the friends that were pretty dang conservative and I am not going to touch any type of investment unless it's in my 401k. You know, I might buy like a thousand dollars worth of stocks here and there, but the rest is cash in the bank. That's what I trust. That's what I'm going to go with. Um, and 
you know, you had one or the other. There really wasn't too much of an in-between. But you're right. Like, whenever you are in the early college days, there aren't too many people that are that plugged in. You had, like, a few guys maybe with internships that were making some money. Maybe they played a little bit with the stock market. But there really isn't too much of an in-between. So I'm curious, you know, do you think, like – Whenever you were making that transition, a lot of the friends that you have that give you a hard time about it right now, were any of those guys believers in the space or from the get-go, were they completely opposed to it and you were just a crazy friend that was talking about all this stuff that was happening? I don't even think they so much believed it. They just saw the money signs and the potential, uh, you know, the potential of money to be made. So that's really what they focused on. They didn't. And it was, you know, of course, all short-term stuff. So, yeah, they can't really focus on, you know, the the year, um, you know, the long-term view, the year out, two years out type deal. Um, But, yeah, it was basically, yeah, you're completely right on the friend group thing. Um, I have a couple friends that they're, yeah, uh, they think cash is king, you know, for – they just think cash is king in general and they only fill up the 401ks and the Roth IRAs and the savings account and stuff. Um, I have a couple DGen friends, um, but they're not as DGen as you would think, you know, they buy NFTs and they mess around with the meme coins, but they don't go all in. Uh, so it's a little, a little half and half. Um, but yeah, I definitely don't have any friends that see the long-term vision, uh, which sucks because I feel like, I have a very good opportunity to make it next cycle. And I try to bring, I want to bring my friends along. Excuse me. Um, You know, if I, if I make it and I don't, and I see the, you know, the, the Bay Lake and Bay with a wonky song trap, they might be kind of pissed, Um, but it is what it is. So. (laughs) Right. You know, the funny thing is I, uh, I got recruited to go help with my buddy's small mining operation this past week right and i didn't well first off he didn't tell me that we were completely building out like a new rig and other stuff for him in the first place didn't realize that that was part of the process thought he was just going up there updating some of the firmware you know doing a little bit else and i didn't realize that i was signing up for you know i guess nearly four days of full-ass labor building new shit out, but, you know, learn new, learn new stuff, the process, taking some of the miners apart and working on, you know, some, the other build set up. But the funny thing is, you know, he's into mining now as a small mining operation. But when I first told him about Bitcoin back in 2017, he laughed at it. Right. You know, and that entire year just gave me shit fully. You know, he would make jokes about Bitcoin every time that we talked And Bitcoin to me back then was this new, exciting thing. I was all in on the tech side of it, you know, traded some too, but I was one of those guys where it was like CrossFit for me. I didn't really have this outlet with crypto Twitter. You know, I didn't establish it until later that year. So my outlet was talking to everybody I knew and basically being a crypto evangelist with that. And again, it took him, you know, he bought a little bit finally toward the top in early 2018. Um, and, you know, to his credit, he continued buying throughout the bear market. 
Uh, I do remember getting a text from him during the COVID crash in March of 2020. I thought this shit was supposed to be digital gold and was supposed to be what combated inflation and the world collapsing and it's heading straight to effing zero. I hate this. <laughs> this is this is not what it's supposed to be. And, you know, hey, to his credit again, stuck with it. So he stacked Bitcoin throughout. But he had a period where it was probably a year and a half of, you know, transformation from hate to disbelief to curiosity to acceptance. So I'm curious, have you seen any of your friends that have kind of made that transformation themselves or, you know, anybody that you're like, okay, yeah, this next cycle comes around and they're going to be the guys that are the ones that are going to be, you know, that don't want to hear anything right now, but they're going to be asking me the most questions here in, you know, a year and a half, two years from now. Uh, Yeah, for the most part, uh, I have one friend that, He's a quote unquote investor. Like he buys like comic books and just all kinds of other random things that he thinks can make money in the, in the somewhat near future. Um, and I've told him about a couple altcoins, like, I don't know, mentioning Chainlink or, uh, or Ethereum or something like that. And that kind of piqued his interest a little bit, especially when I told him the price of what it is now versus what it was at the previous all time high. Um, so I think, my friend is going to fit your friend's role pretty well. Um, I just hope he can hang on to his bag long enough, which is the only thing. Um, but yeah, I think that answers your question. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. I know it does. Um, yeah. But, but I will say like, that's the interesting thing that you'll see on the other side of this, because you, you entered in during the peak, during the peak, everybody's semi-interested. If you're talking about it, popular conversation topic, Right now, where it's not the peak, it's easy for everybody to just completely dismiss it. But what you're going to see, the transformation, especially when you're getting a couple years more removed and people are a little bit more mature in their workplace or works uh, line of work and they have a little bit of extra savings, a little bit of extra capital to be able to invest with, you're going to see a higher peak in interest as this next cycle comes around. So it's something that you definitely, you know... I wouldn't say that when it happens immediately that it is a top, but from a time perspective, maybe not from a monetary perspective, but definitely from a time perspective, as you're getting more and more of those people that start asking questions, it definitely gets closer to a peak. So it's one of the signs that it's like you, you know, I think it's an exercise for anybody in the audience. Think through those people and kind of, rank them off in your head of like who would be the most likely who would be the least likely so the most likely hey good for them maybe they are a little bit of an early adopter but by the time the least likely person starts asking you you know hey probably a decent time to start selling some of those bags and de-risking even if the prices aren't what you wanted or hey even if you know, the prices are what you wanted, but you're a little bit greedy and you think that they're going to go a bit higher. That's probably a decent time to sell out of it. And it it's one of those rules of thumb. Dude, I swear, you know, actually the guy that I'm talking about right now, funny enough, I never mentioned any of these meme coins to him. I don't really like to talk about crypto outside of crypto Twitter. So he <laughs> he texted me one day. I nearly tweeted this out. But he was like, hey, have you heard of Ben? 
<laughs> and he has no idea who Bit Boy is, none of the other stuff. But he asked me if I had heard of Ben. I can, you know, pin to the exact within an hour of what he texted me that. It was within an hour of the exact Pico top of Ben, whatever he texted it to me. So, you know, it is. People joke around about it being a rule of thumb, but there really is some truth to it. That's pretty crazy. I did like just on the time perspective. I mean, that's within an hour. That's pretty wild. Yeah, man. So I, I don't know. I, I texted him all long response about, it. I swear to God, I hope you invest in this and I hope everything that you put in there, every single last penny of it goes to zero. I just had this whole rage text response back. To yeah, I'm kind of glad I did because like it ended up ended up working out. But I was just so infuriated at the fact. I actually thought Bitboy founded Ben. I didn't even realize that he got suckered into it. And I, I like I'm still sitting here wondering if those numbers are actually real. If he actually purchased the rights to that shit coin for a thousand ETH plus two hundred and fifty K staples, that would be the maybe worst deal I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> that sounds like an awful, awful acquisition. Hey, I got, I got a question for you, Callio. Not to change the subject, um, but so I'm trying to convert my mom into a Bitcoin maxi. She's looking, she's starting to invest and stuff, and she's you know she's up there a little bit in age, but she's got some decent amount of time. How would you go about converting her? Maybe not to a maxi, but just to open up her eyes to what Bitcoin is. How would you how would you tackle that? Or just a family member in general? Man, I think that really one of the things that opened up my eyes to begin with was I listened a lot of um oh my goodness, how Andreas Antonopoulos and I read Internet of Money. And even if she's not the type of person that loves to read and dive into that type of stuff, I think that there's some really good truth in some of those basic conceptual talks that carries over really well to what the importance of Bitcoin on a longer time frame is, right? And why it's something that's not going to just die out, you know, unless something like quantum computing is engineered and completed on a massive scale in the next several years, which, you know, the thing about quantum computing, everything that I have seen, you know, it looks like it's a lot, in my opinion, further off than what people are giving it credit for. Um, but, you know, like that's realistically the only thing that I can think of as a FUD case for Bitcoin on a higher time frame scale. Outside of that, but, you know, at the point that that's released, really, like what safety measures that we have in place for just about anything, you know, what is safe? I don't know. I like it. So uh, that's a whole nother conversation in and of itself. I, I don't think you bring up the quantum computing counterpoint. But outside of that, like, dude, you just within the bounds of what we know and what we've seen I, I think that just the basic conceptual arguments for how, you know, like 
the decentralized nature of it, the math behind the hard cap, you know, you can talk about inflation and like, that's a really easy one. Look at how the government has printed more than 50% of the U S money supply in the last several years since COVID, right? You can say, Hey, they've printed 50% more money. What do we have backing that money? Right? Because a lot of people ask, what is it that backs Bitcoin? Right? What backs any currency is the belief behind it, the collective belief. Right? <laughs> you know, the collective, and it's one of the things that I think the Internet of Money talks about really eloquently there at the beginning is just the transformation of what is money, what is currency, what has it been over the years. Right. Like, you know, there was a certain period of time where people used certain types of seashells as currency because they had X amount of scarcity within that region of the world. And, you know, all of us may laugh at the fact that there was ever any type of civilization that would use seashells because you could just go and potentially go pick out some more and say, well, hey, here's X amount more of this. And you're all of a sudden rich. But it made sense to that group of people in time for the reason that they were like, hey, this is collectively scarce. Collectively, we agree that it represents X form of money. I mean, you could even say the same thing about paper noted money, right? Like the fact that we accept paper for anything, you know, a sheet of paper and say, hey, this hundred dollars, what effectively can it do? You know, so the exact same type of thing with Bitcoin, with this, at least we know transparently what the scarcity of the asset is. We know that no one individual person can shut it down and say, you don't have access to this anymore. You cannot spend this amount of money. You cannot do X, Y, Z with it. You know, it's permissionless in that sense. And I think from the whole crypto punk mindset perspective, there's real intrinsic value to that. So I think that kind of going conceptually down that rabbit hole of what is money, you know, where do you find value in anything? If that's one of the things that she finds difficult to believe that it's a real eye opening question for a lot of people because they don't really have solid answers for it. No, you hit the nail on the head. And I don't think she does either. Um, you know, she's big into real estate, so she understands the value of real estate itself. But I just need her to widen her horizon, you know, on assets in general. And, you know, she's, I think she's a baby boomer. I don't know. She's like 45, 50. So whatever that is. So they're, they're, you know, automatically not behind the whole idea of a of electronic currency. But I've even mentioned to her, well, you just look at, you know, you look at your phone, you pull up your bank account and, you know, you have that, that digit there and, you know, you buy something on Amazon and it's basically the same thing, but that currency is just tied to basically where you live, you know, and, and, and the country that you reside in um, versus, you know, I guess a decentralized currency, if you would like to put it that way. So I'm definitely going to buy that book. Uh, I'm going to give it a read first, just so I understand it. And then definitely going to give it to her thank you very much yeah no problem man uh, you know i got a question for you so i'm not sure if you were really old enough but do you remember I, I i guess you were probably in middle school about the time venmo came out maybe 
Yeah, you were you had to have been, right? Like because it came out around 2014, 2015 was the first time I used it. So that'd be like late middle school for you, early high school maybe. Uh, 2015, graduating high school, basically. Okay, so you were in high school then. So around that time period, was anybody, did anybody that you know use it? Uh, I don't think so, not at all. Okay, even back then, man, I didn't have many people that used it, right? Like, it was around the, you know, the time period that Uber came out, Venmo came out. I remember, like, I, I just graduated um college not too long before that and i went to a lot of my friends i wanted that free they gave you like five or ten bucks for referring a friend <laughs> so i would refer as many friends as i could to use it and i would just stack up some cash doing that it was like a really passive way of doing it and every single time i tried to onboard somebody to venmo there was a lot of resistance at the beginning people were like there's no way i don't want to trust anybody with my bank account you know, how do I know that they're actually sending money with this? Is it real? Is there some type of scam behind it? So even though wow. it was with cash, it was directly related to your bank account. There was just kind of this lack of, you know, knowledge and trust associated with it where people didn't even really buy into the belief that Venmo was something that could be used. And now, I mean, it's something that, like, I think every single person that has access to a bank account, everybody knows what Venmo, Zelle, Cash App, they know what all those apps are, right? Like, it is the most common way of being able to pay people back. You don't pay your average friend back with cash. So right. I, I think that there's just this general fundamental understanding that has to kind of be breached you know, for onboarding the next X amount of million users to Bitcoin and whether that be your mom, somebody else like that. I think that's kind of what we're still experiencing right now. There are people that have heard about it, but there are a lot of people that just conceptually don't understand, well, what exactly is there behind this that provides any type of value? How can I trust this? How do I know that they're not going to just print X amount more one day? That's same to be said for the stock. Crazy, right? <laughs> Inevitable. Inevitable, baby. Um, all right, so we got Stud Muffin up here. We also got Too Easy. Uh, I'm gonna go to Stud first, and I'm gonna go to Too Easy. What's going on, man? Touching. Hey, what's up? What's up? Got a uh, got a Friday off, so I'm hanging out with the kid right now. So I'm gonna bounce off in a minute. But uh, I just wanted to plug um, Balaji Srinivasan's book real quick. Um, he made a really interesting innovation where the first part of the book is a thousand word um, cliff notes, essentially. Then the second part of the book is a one pager. And then you actually get into the book itself. So he literally created his own cliff notes for the book. And I think that's like the standard for what every book should do is like, all right, if you want to try it, here's the try and then, you know, break it down and then, okay, here's the actual depth to it. But uh, it's good. It's called the network state. It's free on his website. Um, And it's an incredible explanation of why Bitcoin is so important and uh, you know, why it's essential for kind of his concept of what the next form of government is likely to be. Um, And it's pretty weird stuff and kind of complicated, but it's, it's fun to get into. Um, But he basically thinks that, you know, Bitcoin is a, um, as much a social change as it is an economic one. Um, and so it's definitely worth, if nothing else, don't read the book, but at least read the one pager, you know, so you get an idea of what he's talking about. 
And what's the name of it again? It's called The Network State. And I'm sure you guys all know Bology. He's the one that did that crazy, yeah. you know, Bitcoin's going to a million bet, all that kind of stuff. And he even admitted that was a dumb bet. I burned a million dollars to draw attention to this. And um, But he wrote the book probably six months ago. And uh, it, it gets into a lot of different concepts. It's not just about Bitcoin, but in terms of one of the key value propositions to Bitcoin, it definitely gets into that really nicely. It's a fun read. Yeah, appreciate that, man. I think that... They're like that's the real difference between somebody that's here right now versus somebody that is just here during the euphoria phase. I, I think that the people that come during the euphoria phase and leave never take the time to really understand the fun, you know, the fundamental concepts of crypto in general. Really, what is it that differentiates it other than its volatility, its price price movements, kind of the feel of the wild west? What even makes that possible? What's going to make it stick around? How, what are the real potential use cases of this stuff other than just being able to print, you know, your own shit coin and put a random name to it and do whatever other than, you know, creating some random JPEG and publishing digital art? Really, what is it gives that digital art security scarcity in the first place? So I think that, you know, any of these type of knowledge plugs, like, dude, that's how you keep yourself entertained and informed throughout this period. That's what keeps you sticking around. Um, so Stud Muffin, I'm curious, man, like what other, what else, what other material are you looking into right now? So I just finished Network Space. So that was kind of my big one. Um, you know, as far as other uh, crypto type stuff, um, I definitely want to get into the Bitcoin standard. I haven't read that yet. Um, I've been arguing with uh, Nassim Taleb a lot, right, because he wrote the uh, intro to the Bitcoin standard. And then he got in a personal argument with the writer of it. And now he hates Bitcoin. So it's funny how, you know, he, he kind of flipped around. And so I love kind of arguing with him and saying, you used to love this stuff. You know what happened? Um, so I think the Bitcoin standard um, is definitely uh, up next on my you know, kind of my read list. Um, I really liked uh, Hard Money You Can't Screw With by uh, Jason Williams. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. Um, he has a, it's an operation where they take old tires in North Carolina, melt them down, and the energy that re is released is used to mine Bitcoin. And then um, the recycled tires, I think he gets money from North Carolina's state government um, for breaking down the tires. And it's this relatively clean process. And then all that energy released goes to mine Bitcoin. Um, so those would kind of be the two that I would recommend the most and really enjoyed. You know, appreciate those shout outs, man. I mean, I, uh, I'm familiar with Jason Williams. I think he's going parabolic on Twitter, right? Um, I, I, yep, I don't that's him. He's the one who burned a uh, board ape to, uh, to put it on the uh, Bitcoin blockchain. I think it was an ordinal. That was kind of a crazy stunt. I gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it, it, it really does all loop back to, you know, whether it's your mom, your cousin, the people that you're with one way or the other, it all boils back to education, right? Like that's what gets people to stick around. It's not the price action. Um, you know, the price actions definitely, and, you know, incentivizing side effect, um, <laughs> But it's not necessarily the driving factor, I think, that really the people that are incredibly passionate about it, that they that they lean back on. 
Um, but, you know, uh, steering the conversation a little bit to the side, we're, we're, we're talking about Bitcoin and kind of its value proposition and use case. Steering it back to the NFT space, I thought that this was interesting. I saw Luke Martin, um, venture coinist, post a comparison between the crowd at the main stage at the Bitcoin conference versus, you know, the main stage at VCon. And there is a stark contrast between the two, right? The main stage at the Bitcoin conference, just empty versus just this packed house at VCon. And the more I'm seeing that, the more genius I think I realize. And the more I'm a fan of these smaller city type of meetups like this for a conference, because I think it really does incentivize the community aspect a little bit more. I, I think that you see the difference between the Bitcoin area where, you know, you host something in Miami and don't get me wrong. Miami's fun. I've enjoyed it when I've gone down there. But other than saving the market, the real reason why I'm not there right now is because, dude, so much of it is just, you know, these flashy, you know, extravagant, whatever, people trying to flex what they have or what they do, buying the most, you know, the next most expensive bottle, going to, you know, the trying to get the nicest table at the nicest or, you know, the most popular clubs. And I'm not really like a club slash nightlife guy in the first place. Uh, you know, I think it can be fun to go down there and to meet certain people, but dude, there's so much of the same there and it's really not focused on the actual conference itself. I think that, you know, what I'm seeing about VCon and the NFT space and why it speaks differently. I don't think that it's just the fact that it's in a small city. I think so much of the NFT space is about the cross collaboration between communities and some of the, you know, other implications of just, you know, the when, when you're collecting, I guess there is some of that PVP mentality that comes into play, but I don't think that it's as prevalent. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I just think that there's a real stark contrast and difference seeing a packed house in the middle of the bear market when NFTs really have not been doing great as a whole. And seeing that room filled with people, I mean, that's pretty encouraging to me for the space as a whole, right? Because it's something that's still exciting. There's still a lot of potential, a lot of possibilities that have barely been tapped into for the actual technology itself. And, you know, in the midst of it, you know, this is what it looks like. When price action doesn't reflect it, these are a group of people that understand, you know, what the real potential is in this space is outside of just immediate up only price action. Um, and I, I think that's the encouraging thing to look at, right? Because we all know what the market looks like when it's hot. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I can't think of too many people I know personally that are there. I think a few, um, but you know, it does look like something I'm like, man, I, I kind of maybe actually want to go to VCon <laughs> next year. I've laughed at it the past couple of couple of years, but I'm looking at it. I'm like, man, that actually does look like something that's possibly worthwhile. It looks better than NFT NYC. Um, Andrew, welcome up to the stage, man. What's going on? What's going on, guys? Hope everyone's having a great day. Um, Callie, you just made a lot of good points. But one thing I was curious about what you said that um, – Sorry, I'm pretty high right now. Uh, that communities, uh, NFTs are about communities <clears throat> and collaborations of those communities. So are there any 
Wonky Stonk, uh, collabs coming up with any other projects in the near future or long-term future that you have in the works? Um, I, I mean, nothing directly right now, man. I think a lot of it is just being able to be supportive of whatever, whatever other communities are out there. You know, I think again, like the key thing with the stonks and whether, whether it's insane or not, I really do believe that, you know, the intrinsic value comes in the art and it's something that really like, I'm not looking to deviate from, right? Like the roadmap is simple, that there is no roadmap along with it. And, you know, I, I, I obviously believe there's a lot more potential for what can and will be done with ledge art as a whole. You know, I'll listen to an interesting podcast recently um, where uh, Bobby hundreds was on the, Oh shoot, Tim, whatever the Tim Ferriss show. Uh, right. And I, I actually never listened to Bobby hundreds before, but he's the founder of the Adam bomb squad. And he actually made some really interesting points that I think do merit some type of consideration where, you know, you look at any other type of artist and if an artist only releases one collection or say one piece of work and that's all that there is, you know, none of the great artists that are out there have only ever released one work. You know, the best way to continue to grow communities is to, you know, especially as an artist, continue to release other works. And I do think that there's value in that for a brand, um, you know, for a community as a whole. But it has to be done in a thoughtful way as far as being able to, you know, you, you have to be mindful of what the overall demand is and what the overall perception of each work as it happens is but you know it, it definitely is something where you know i'm looking at it and we've talked about it before but there will be other collections that eventually come along with the stonks um you know it's uh but i think the most important thing that a lot of people have missed along with it you know you look at for instance like nba top shot Back in the day, I think they're the prime example of this, where they had this really hot streak and they just started to dump and dump and dump more and more and more. And it wasn't really done in a very thoughtful way. I, I, I actually honestly think the, you know, the group that I can think of that's executed this the most cleanly is Yuga, um, though I think they push the limits with their other side sale. Um, I think everything that they did up until that point was a real proof of concept of what it actually looks like, where they added a lot of value to their overall, you know, to their initial collection by the way that they released further stuff down the road. So I think there is some important stuff there. And, hey, maybe there are some opportunities for some type of cross community stuff within all of that. But, you know, nothing... <laughs> Nothing immediately that, uh, you know, I think it's something that, again, has to be mindful of where we are in the market, where we are with opportunities right now. And, you know, I, I don't want to say that it's never going to be a possibility because I think that that would be completely ignorant. Um, but, you know, as far as where we are in the market right now, I don't think that it's the best time to really add anything new like that um anytime short term 
Yeah, great answer. I definitely agree with you that a collection would not be the move right now. But I honestly did mean just in terms of like a party or like a shirt or like a space or something like that. Uh, sorry if I wasn't clear, but great answer. Uh, I, you know, I don't know, man. Well, like, again, one of those things that um, got to <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see, man. I'm not sure. Maybe maybe it happens. Maybe it doesn't. Um, but, you know, never, never completely ruled out. <laughs> So, yeah, but here's the deal, man. Like, one of the things that I think that is, like, again, as much as doing a bunch of these different events, like, I respect different communities for hosting a bunch of these different massive parties and massive events. I don't think that it's an incredibly sustainable concept. I respect anybody that does do some of those type of things, you know, but I, I just don't see on a longer term scale how it's sustainable. You know, I think that it's one, whenever you open up those type of things, it opens up a can of worms, right? Because whenever that becomes the expectation for a project, you basically have to continue to one up that expectation, right? You know, and if it doesn't meet, so it's good for the pumponomics of something, I guess, from a short-term perspective. But when you're looking at the longer-term sustainability, it is just this continuous churn versus if you're just talking about the art for something, you know, again, like going back to the traditional art world, you know, it's, you know, like it's not necessarily something that is, Again, I I just I personally am not the biggest fan of that model, but you know, it doesn't mean that something can't ever be done. Yeah, I totally get what you mean. Great point. The too easy Trizzy, what's going on, man? Yo, what's up, everybody? Shout out to uh, Lander Seventy Sixers. I just wanted you to know that I was pushing the wonky stonks uh, all through Vegas. I kept my word. Wore them every day. Zero washes. But honestly, I have a really tough story to share. Um, My girlfriend, she's been, I'm not chilling here, but Olipops, I guess it's like some sort of healthy soda that's good for your digestive system. And uh, my wonky stonks shorts got liquidated. The first time that ever happened, I, I trusted a part. And the wonky stonk shorts, and now they honestly got their first wash. I'm kind of disappointed about it, but I'm an honest man. So there it is. Bro, I, I, I won't lie. <laughs> I was not expecting that. But damn, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. That's, you know, it, that is, that's tough. You know, I, I just want to make sure the wonky community, just everybody's got my back, you know, everything. Everything, uh, it, it was a tough scene, and there was nothing worse than looking down and being like, this is a mess. Um, but it's still yeah. wonkies till I die. Um, I did wash them, but the, the loyalty is still there. And um, that, that said, other than that, I did have a quick question for you. Um, with everything happening last week with Ledger, 
What What's your stance on them? And if not Ledger, who would you trust? Um, <laughs> you know, I... I don't know, man. I mean, Trezor's always, and I think Trezor has actually been a more popular answer for me over the course of the past, like, couple of years anyway. Ledger's just done some sketchy stuff as far as, if not not just their product offering, but their marketing as well. Like, dude, their product offering for a necklace for your Ledger and actually having different influencers going around flexing their ledger necklaces and about how you know they love the style and the fashion for it dude that's not what a ledger's for you know even an empty ledger that's a terrible idea walking around in public with something that has potentially unlimited value you know i think is way scarier than walking around with something that has a set value you're making yourself a target in that sense um, so I don't know, man. I, I, I don't like what they did with their security setting, uh, or with the recovery and the potential for getting that, getting that out there, but it's not, I don't know. I, I think your ledgers are still safe, but I wouldn't use that product offering. All right. Thank you. Thank you. That that helps. I'll take a look into Treasure. 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 Uh, I can't talk. That poop story really got me going. But um, yeah, I got to get going. I got a new puppy. I just wanted to say what's up, introduce myself, even if I'm the guy who uh, sharded in his wonky stonk shorts. It's OK. You know, there's there's nothing more real than the truth. So, uh, bro, that's legendary. Getting up on stage and talking through that's even more legendary. So I appreciate you coming up here, man. No problem. Wonkies till I die. Let's go. Yes, sir. Love to hear it, man. Yo, Kaleo. What's going on, guys? Pick out here. Yo, what's I just up, had a quick Pickard? question, man. When you're talking about like the issuance of art over the course of a project, have you looked into like open at all, like the Jack Butcher project? Because I was just reading a couple threads on it the last few days about... Talking about O'Peepin? Yeah. I don't even know how you pronounce it, man. O'Peepin? I don't know. Rooster would give me a hard time for saying O'Peepin. That's how I read it. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of... I was thinking, like, the issuance of it, how it's, like, lotted, and, you know, there's a certain amount of pieces uh, for each lot. I thought that was actually really cool. Kind of going, like, really hardcore long-term, because I think it comes out to, like, 200 total drops. Um, I don't know. Do you have any opinion on that? Because it's something I'm honestly going to try and get into here relatively quick. You know, honestly, man, I need to look and see what the latest up because I feel like one of the things that he's done with it that I guess is pretty genius in a way is the constant evolution and transformation of that project and about the you know, but it's one of those things. It again just conflates with my general idea theory of, you know, what I, I think there's something cool behind the permanence of the art um, versus the evolution of it. But I, you know, I think that it's just different sectors within the space. So it's definitely opened up my idea or opened up my eyes for kind of getting me out of that one one track 
train of thought that I've had for a long time about just pure permanence and everything else is kind of just gamey mechanics and pumponomics and etc. Because I think there really has been something that has intrinsically been added to the collection by the transformation, by the evolution of the original art. Um, so I'm not, you know, again, uh, it, it, there's been so much change with the way that they've implemented everything. I'm not fully up to speed with it. So it's something that I want to look into more because there has been some sustainability with that success that's come along with it. But I really, you know, to answer the end question of what does it look like on the long term, you know, I'm not, I'm not positive exactly what the final step is. Is it something that they have, you know, said, Hey, here is theoretically what the final drop and what the final transformation slash evolution looks like. I know that they've done that with the checks project, right? So have they done that with Opeepin as well? Not, not that I know of. Um, I mean, kind of when I just think about the timeline, right, the, it's like lots of 80, so 200 drops. And I, I feel like I don't even know when this project dropped, like beginning of 2023 maybe. So it's only like a couple of months old, and I think they've done two lots so far. So like when I think about it, I think it would be really hard for them to give you a definitive answer like that because I would think that these drops probably go on for like the next two, maybe three years. So when you're so saying drops, are you saying adding to the initial collection? Like the same no. so like at least my understanding is right. There's 16,000 total pieces in the collection. And basically like they're going to put out a, like it's a part of the collection, but they do it in lots of 80. So you like apply essentially to opt in for a chance to get your art like transformed. Does that make sense? Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, at the pace they're going now, I, I think the project came out at the beginning of 23. So they've only done two lots. So there's, you know, or, yeah, two lots. So there's going to be 200 total. So I'm kind of thinking it's going to take a couple years. I don't know if they're going to ramp up the pace at some point or keep it consistent, but I think it's kind of interesting to see that, you know, there's probably going to be some different collabs for some of the lots that they drop. Um, I don't know. So I just think it's pretty interesting project. I kind of like the perspective they're taking. No, man, it's definitely interesting and something I need to look into more. Yeah. You know, dude, even being gone this past week, and I say this every time that I've got to take a couple of days off, like stepping back in, after this last week and just catching up on everything going on, even though it's been kind of the bear market and there hasn't been a, you know, crap ton of activity, but still a decent amount. It's, it's kind of wild just seeing a lot of the stuff that happens. You feel behind on a lot of different stuff. So, um, you know, even even looking and seeing what's happening with this stupid PSYOP token, dude, I can't believe that guy was able to actually get people to send him that much ETH. And the way that he's actually implemented it, it's actually kind of satisfying. I, I hate to see it because there's part of you that's like, man, I wish the guy was kind of honest with the whole process. And he actually did put as much value as he could from that raise back into the project. But, dude, it... <laughs> It was not that whatsoever. It looks like it is a complete rug. And, you know, there's the sad part about it is that's a lot of ETH that could have 
extended some of the meme season potential. <laughs> it looks like it was literally just funneled and drained into one asshole's wallet. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of people that hopefully learned a valuable lesson in the process, paid their tuition, and won't do that type of bullshit again because, dude, that was absolutely stupid. <laughs> um, but, yeah, man, you know, my my biggest thing at the end of the day and what I think is beautiful about the stonks in general is the issue of the permanence. You know, going back, even looking at, you know, the crypto punk type of mentality of here are these punks that were released and here is, you know, like after they've released, what is, you know, a lot of people that looked at the art originally and myself included when I first saw crypto punk and I said, how in the world does this hold any type of, why does anybody want to hold this in their wallet? Right. Why would anybody ever want a crypto punk? These are just pixelated pictures of individuals on a screen that it's ridiculous, you know, that anybody would even want to associate their identity with that, you know, let alone collect it. And as time has progressed, understanding the historical significance of the piece has transformed the perception of the art, right? Where it truly does become a flex. I think that they look badass now. And the evolution of it wasn't necessarily associated with any type of transformation in the utility of the project. It wasn't some type of transformation in the utility of some events that they were hosting or any other type of, you know, internal swag. It was some type of transformation in the understanding of the significance of the history that also transformed the significance of the art itself. So that's my real vision with the stocks and something that I really believe, you know, does have merit that there are enough projects that are competing in the space of doing other, you know, things that are continuously going to let down communities by not performing to whatever expectations that are evolving in those communities minds you know I, I think they release a lot of empty promises just to try to keep people happy in that mindset and i think that you know there is importance in being able to stick to you know and it's not easy man you know like it is tempting to veer off that roadmap a lot of the times of not having a roadmap right but in the end, you know, whether it's insane or not, I, I, I think that it's the best way, the best approach, you know, at, at least for this, you know, again, not saying anybody can't do anything differently with something else and be successful with it. But, you know, like that's the vision that I have for the stonks. And, you know, I, I do have a conviction that like it will <laughs> It'll manifest itself one way or the other, you know, like that's why when I say the stonks are inevitable, I really do believe it. You know, you look at a lot of other founders, a lot of other projects that have gone through the same type of um, the same type of evolution that the stonks have gone through and dude, they've died out. Right. Like whoever released the project, whatever they've done with it, like they've stepped away completely, whether it's the community or the founder or whoever, you know, it, it just has happened. And like, there's a reason why I have not left the stonks, why I never will. Right. Like, so that's, you know, 
talked about it like last summer whenever the market was down and everything was sideways and it's the exact same type thing right now, right? Like the market as a whole is still relatively sideways slash down. And, you know, the stonks are chilling in this consolidated range. Um, and, you know, they're not in any type of price discovery or anything else. But like, dude, you know, I said this even when the stonks were going through massive, you know, the move back in December slash January, that it didn't really matter to me where exactly the price was because I believe in the overall vision one way or the other. And if it means any type of price being down, you know, for an extended period of time and letting people be able to accumulate in a certain region, even better, right? Like, because it's one of the things where, you know, the stocks aren't going away. I'm not leaving the project. If it were ever defined by where the price was or by, you know, how much money that, you know, the stocks were generating, dude, I never would have, you know, continued with the project in the first place, right? <laughs> like, you know, it's more of a money suck or a time suck than anything else. But like, dude, I love it, right? Like, I think the general passion and the general belief is what drives me for it. So, you know, I think that's what's unique about the community and really what continues to just, you know, fire me up um, about the future. So, um, but yeah, on that, uh, <laughs> on that little rant, I may go ahead and wrap up the space for the day. I, uh, I, I think I'm going to try to do a stream here a little bit later this afternoon slash maybe this evening. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to get back into that this next week. I think I'm going to try to, my goal is to do a stream every single morning um, this next week, except for I maybe on the road weekend with stuff coming up throughout the week. So be on the lookout for that as well. But appreciate everybody that came up here on stage, participated. You guys are the real ones. Same with everybody in the audience. And uh, at the end of the day, wonky stonks are inevitable.